Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. Let us help you escape your mind. Welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 185 tonight. Uh, we're going to be discussing mysteries and metaphysics, um, you know, kind of where we stand on everything. Take a look at what we thought coming into doing this podcast three years ago or over three years ago and kind of where we stand on things now. So that's what we're going to be discussing. Uh, before we do that, head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast for just $2 a month. You'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments. Uh, we are also on Discord where you will get a correlating Discord role with each tier or whatever tier you sign up for on our Patreon. I just uh, uploaded some new uh, Patreon episodes. We've got one with Matt Roberts. Um, there's one with Andrew Gallimore. I mean, some recent ones we've done with Avi Loeb. Um, some, some nice big name interviews in there too. So it's basically like a whole nother episode as well. So go check those out. And we also have indrasweb.org, uh, kick in here. So head on over to indrasweb.org, sign up for a profile. This is the social media platform that we created to connect open minds. So if you're interested in the topics we discuss on this podcast, um, head on over there. It's the perfect place to discuss different speculations, hypotheses, theories, all that kind of stuff. So what's going on, Maurice? How are you? Good, good. What's the good word there? Uh, Nothing much. Just, um, yeah, same old. Uh, I thought we would go over, like I said, what we've been discussing for the last few years you know, preconceived notions or what we believed about these subjects going in uh, to doing this podcast and kind of where we stand with them now. So you see, um, let's see here. So I thought we would start with, uh, ancient civilizations. Um, so let's start, we'll go kind of in chronological order. Um, what do you think about Gobekli Tepe? And then I'll kind of give my little overview on it. What do you mean? What do I think? Like, like, did you even know about it before we started the podcast? Um, uh, yeah, I've heard, I heard about it. I remember I couldn't even pronounce the name. <laughs> Still can't. <laughs> go back. Go back. Oh man. Yeah. Go back. Tepe. There you go. Boom. So, so at least that's improved. Okay. Um, okay. No, but yeah, you, you know, like we've heard about it and on ancient aliens and stuff like that. And I think it's actually, probably responsible for you getting into the the investigation mode is am i correct yeah i mean i you know heard about it via those graham hancock and uh randall carlson episodes on joe rogan um and then yeah there's they've done episodes on ancient aliens about it um obviously we don't believe early i mean we could talk about that i don't believe aliens built anything Right. Um, on this planet. Um, unless you believe in panspermia and then we are the aliens, but, 
I don't uh, think aliens have built anything, but I don't know if you want to get into my. I have this new theory that I've been formulating. All right, lately. well, hold, hold, hold off on that <laughs> for now. But yeah, so I, I heard about it through um, that those podcast episodes, and then I looked into it more, started doing research, and then you look into like Klaus Schmidt, uh, his team, the German uh, archaeological team, discovered it uh, in the early '90s, and. Um, there's been a ton of research done, but there's still, I think, only five to ten percent um, completed with the excavating. So, I mean, that's really not that much, um, and they've got a ways to go. Uh, so, but yeah, I that's mean, in Turkey, right? Yeah, it's in Turkey, and okay. you look, you look at the site, and um, it's amazing to think that that's created that long ago. I mean, um. 11,600. Uh, I mean, that's, that's crazy. Um, but in terms of, um, like I said, so you, you heard of it. What do you think about it now? Um, like I said, I, 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 well, I know the location. I know a little more in depth analysis, if you will, but I, my whole theories. I'm in the same boat as you. I've never thought that aliens built anything. You know what I mean? Like, as far as Gobekli Tepe or the the pyramids and things like that, I always thought that they were human-made. Um, but again, I have more theories that we'll touch on <laughs> later. Um, so, yeah, it's roughly 12,000 years old. More probably more precisely 11,600 years old which coincides with the end of the Younger Dryas period. And uh, we can talk, we're going to talk about that in a little bit too. Um, but so as far as ancient civilizations go, I bring up Gobekli Tepe, not to talk about the actual site, but the builders. We're going to talk about ancient civilizations. So what was the civilization that built Gobekli Tepe? Was it, uh, the mainstream suggests it's hunter-gatherers. Um, and I'm not opposed to that. Um, but I do think that there's other things at play that um, you can make other correlations. Like, for instance, the Urfa man, which is this figurine or statue they found there, uh, actually looks similar to a lot of uh, Cycladic, which is in Greece, the Cyclades Islands. Um, you know, looks like a lot of uh, Cycladic um, bronze age type figurines also looks like some minoan ish type stuff and kind of has also some Sar- uh the naragi people from sardinia looks like some stuff from there so um i mean there's lots of different people talking about this you know there's all these youtube channels that have different theories there's people writing books we've had uh martin sweatman on a while back where he discussed his uh archaeoastronomy connection uh, with all the different T pillars and, but again, it's not, I don't think it's really well established who exactly these people were. Um, cause it seems like you would need more of a, a civilization esque or a civilization style living arrangement to create something like that. As far as we know and what we know about civilizations and megalithic structures and stuff like that. Um, so while the hunter gatherer thing, I'm not opposed to necessarily. I also think that um, there's definitely some, some craftsmanship with the relief carvings and the way that it's cut out. Um, and also that area, you're basically near the, the in pretty much the cradle of civilization there where, um, you know, it could have been like a main hub and then all these different 
like I said, influences spread out through um, the Cyclades and Greece and uh, Turkey, different parts of Turkey and uh, all throughout that region, Italy, Sardinia, Malta. So um, again, who are these people? I don't think we really know. Um, so Yeah, and just because of, there, are, there are groups of hunter-gatherer, doesn't it? It's just like today, there's different variants of how far people's civilizations are. Obviously, in America, we're more towards the top, but there are people in different countries. Well, I wouldn't that look aren't... at it like that. I wouldn't. I see that that's the wrong way of looking at it. Because if something major happened, like a comet impact, it would be people that are living off the land, farmers, um, people that you know, hunter gatherers. No, that's type. not what I'm saying. I'm saying be, just because there are hunter gatherers, that maybe they maybe something did happen, and they're the ones that actually survived it, but. At the same time, there could have been other people with uh, more technologies living at that same era. I think that, but I think my point is, is that was the technology for that time period. Like I, th- I don't, we haven't found anything older that's around that um, that area. There is a, um, I think it's uh, they found a, a different site not far from there. What is it? Is it Karahantepe or Terahantepe? I forget it. There's another. Um, uh, site right there. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Carahan Tepe. Um, but again, I don't think that. I don't know. I think that that's still a big mystery, and I think that there's a lot of obviously mainstream people pushing the hunter gatherer, and we know that that's what it was. But I don't think that's so set in stone. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think uh, I think they definitely had more knowledge than what we we give them credit for. But it is hard to wrap your head around twelve thousand years ago. Yeah, I mean, we can't even people can't even really fathom what it was like to live two hundred years ago. Right. You know what I'm saying? Without electricity and you know, using a horse and you know, carriage. You know, people mm-hmm. just can't even really think about where we are with technology. That's like unheard of. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so as far as Gobekli Tepe goes, we know a ton more. I've looked at a lot of the alternative stuff, the Graham Hancock, the um, Andrew Collins, you know, uh, Laird Scranton. I mean, we've had uh, these people, obviously not Graham Hancock, but we've had Laird Scranton and Andrew Collins and Dr. Gregory Little and a lot of people that know about these sites on our podcast. And it seems like the alternative uh, groupings and people and authors have, um, they just have a different point of view. Like they're not confined to the constraints of what a normal archaeologist or um, anthropologist would be looking at. So, you know, there's some interesting stuff there. Obviously, Dr. Sweatman's theories, her theory. Um, and yeah, so I think that, uh, the mainstream is obviously hunter-gatherer, and the alternative view is that these were a little bit more advanced or possibly a more ancient civilization, that there's no name or um, well, pretty much any physical evidence other than what's found at the site. So Yeah, plus there's only 10% of it uncovered, so right. who knows what'll be, what the light is down below. But the problem with that is that, that stuff's probably pretty fragile, so the, the more you carve yeah. in, the more you might crack, you know what I mean? Well, even the T-pillars themselves are, I mean, they're big, but they look like, obviously, they need to be held up at this point, right. you know, and they were buried in, so. 
I mean, that's uh, the kind of the case for the Amazon, too. Like, we've discovered some things there, but because of the lush growth of all the, the jungle, there's so much stuff that's been buried in there. I, isn't that, like, a site that they need to... Cause can't they, yeah, like, they see found some a, stuff from the sky? Yeah, they use LiDAR, which is, right. like, uh, you know, the, the radar from above that scans the ground and the topography, um, and they found that... Um, there's a lot of like Mayan sites in the jungles that they just haven't really gotten to or excavated yet. So, yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. Um, so yeah, so that's Quebecli Tepe. And then we haven't really talked a ton about ancient Mesopotamia or Sumer, ancient Acadia or the Babylonians. We have discussed it a little bit. Um, as far as going forward i think it's something we'll probably do i do we do have to finish our ancient greece series because it's been a while and uh i have the eleusinian mysteries episode ready to go so we'll do that at some Beautiful. point uh maurice is going is going to be gone for a few days here next week so maybe when he gets back we'll do the eleusinian mysteries one um yeah so we'll cover more of ancient mesopotamia Sumer, Acadia, that kind of stuff going forward. Um, and I will bring up something later, something that we talked about on our uh, fireball review um, that you brought up that I looked into more. So we'll talk about that. Uh, ancient Egypt and Zeptepi. So we talk about ancient Egypt a ton or have at least on different episodes. Um, Zeptepi means first time. Uh, which is their belief that there's a previous civilization or a precursor civilization um, to theirs. And um, as far as ancient Egypt goes, how do you feel about it? Like before we started the podcast and how do you feel about it now? Um, I, it was kind of the, the, the path I was taking before we started the podcast because you know, when you're in high school and stuff, you're told a lot of these things like it was built by slaves and, they were tombs and this and that. and well, You're talking about the pyramids. The pyramids, yeah. And uh, I remember I actually took a class in college, and then they were talking about, yeah, there's a lot of evidence showing that these people that built these things were very skilled workers, so they might not have necessarily been slaves. They might have been working for um, the, you know, the government or whatever, the, the people that were in power, and then when, when the, the droughts would come that they would get food and whatnot. So I think a lot of, you know, some information has been, springing up left and right and i was already kind of going down that path of um that they weren't necessarily tombs and maybe it's just because i've been getting into more esoteric stuff like that but i i think that they were used for uh some kind of meditation i don't know if that's like a crazy theory or whatever but i think that those were somehow and also we learned a lot about the way that they were aligned with some of the stars and orion's belt and things like that so that kind of makes me believe that number one, they were older than people think they were because what is that? The procession, the procession of the equinox is yeah. like Plato's great year. Yeah. But so like they, if they were, if they were all lined up with part of the, of the belt, they would have had to be a lot older than we're assuming they were, so, which could that... be the case because they were built on top. They kept building on top of the sites over and over and over again. So 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 where do you stand like do you believe that then or where do you what are you I believe that they had some kind of knowledge um about life death vibrations the way that you can meditate and lift your your uh, consciousness to a new plane 
And that's kind of the route I was going down when people are like, oh, well, the aliens built it or or this and that. I don't believe that aliens physically came down and showed these people how to build these things. But I think that in a way, I don't know if you want to call them aliens or what, but I feel like they were able to meditate and tap into some kind of collective consciousness that was, it could be streamed across light years through the galaxy. I have no idea. I don't even know if it's outward or if it's more inward. So it might be dimensions within you. I mean, I'll go even further. I think if you can meditate and get to these realms, I don't even think there needs to even be another entity. The information could just be there that you tap into. Right. And that kind of goes along the lines of where where do ideas come from and things like that. But So my 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 thesis is uh, <laughs> somehow they were tapping into it. I'm writing it. I'm going to college. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I think that they were alien information but i don't think it's like you know aliens coming down but i think it's them being able to to elevate their their consciousness to a point where they're getting knowledge and they're figuring things out beyond what maybe our civilization isn't able to do because i don't know i i think that the food that we eat and all the stuff and and all like the the tv and the the social media and stuff that's it's a trap to in in a way that just it keeps your mind occupied. So if you didn't have any of that, what would you be doing? You'd be looking at the stars. You'd be working within more because you just wouldn't have distractions of movies, TV, and all the stuff, video games, and that kind of stuff that we have. So yes, we are more techno te- technologically advanced in that regard of building things. But as far as the spirit and you know life and death and all that kind of stuff, I think that they might have had more of a knowledge and we're also more connected with their spirit in general. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Um, so, I mean, I've kind of done a complete, uh, 180, I think on this. I, you were more mystical on it. weren't you? No, no, I'm still mystical on it. I love ancient Egypt and I think that there's a lot of some, uh, symbolism and, um, stuff with the mystery schools and stuff like that. There's a lot of amazing stuff in there. Um, Going in though, I mean, you do wonder, this was before we really even knew anything or did any research. You look at the temple of Seti and that glyph that shows what looks like, uh, you know, a flying machine and a James Bond car and all that stuff. (laughs) And then you, then you actually look into it and you realize, Oh, these are three different glyphs that are, you know, traced over one another that make it look like that. So it's actually pareidolia. Your mind's right, just putting right. that stuff together. So there's that. Um, also, I think they were super advanced for their time. And obviously we still don't understand exactly how they built the pyramids. Um, you mentioned uh, that not being tombs and stuff. And I guess um, we'll talk about that when we get to the actual structures. I'm just kind of talking generally about these civilizations each one but um in general i think the ancient egyptians were really in tune with consciousness uh they were fascinated and probably understood death better than maybe even we do now um and the you know not even just from their practices with like mummification and understanding the different organs and parts of the brain and stuff like that but i also think um I also think they did know stuff. I don't know, again, how, but, you know, there's different um, ways you can transform your consciousness. You mentioned meditation. There's ancient entheogenic, you know, use psychoactive compounds. Um, 
yeah, and just uh, who knows what other other you know what other stuff. Just even like language can transform your consciousness. So even hieroglyphs and the invention of written language and things like that that can transform consciousness dramatically too. Where it's if it's fresh, they might have a different perspective than we would now or do have now. So yeah. Um, so yeah, so going in, I thought that some, some of the more crazier things, like the more metaphysical or, um, you know, some of the crazier aspects, I still believe in some of those things, just not in the way that I thought about them before, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I just think that there's a reasonable way to look at these things. And I think that there's an unreasonable way. The unreasonable way is usually pure speculation or, a game of telephone through the years and oh I heard this theory or rumor and it you know then you look into it and there is no basis for it kind of a thing um so well a lot of people just can't handle the fact that we don't know like how were the pyramids built well we don't know so it must be this or it must be aliens or something but i think that you know by doing the podcast and stuff i think for me at least i'm a lot it's a lot easier for me to just to say i we don't know right now and i'm okay with that i mean there's theories you know there's people that mainstream people and some alternative people that have really good ideas of what they think and some of them i agree with and some of them i don't again we'll talk about that when we actually talk about the structures but yeah so i mean just ancient egypt egypt in general i think that there is there is something mystical about it, and I think that they did understand consciousness better than other civilizations throughout time. And I think that there was something special about it. But I like there's a difference between thinking that and then taking it to the next level, like with the speculation stuff. So it's like, what do we truly know? Like, what's the um, you know, like what's the epistemological approach to like what all that that stuff means you know like how do how did they know it how do we know it so uh uh so yeah that would be my take on ancient egypt and um obviously they're a catalyst for other um great thinkers and civilizations if you look at ancient greece and stuff too which eventually you know gets to ancient rome and you know you have a whole line of knowledge being transferred there so um Okay, so the ancient, you know, the ancient Americas are ancient, you know, Native American mound builders. So you have all the indigenous North Americans. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that going into this, I actually pretty much, you know, I only thought about it as what we learned about it in school and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But um, I think once we started talking about these topics and stuff, you realize, oh, there's all these amazing earthworks and mounds and um a lot of these sites that ha also have again entheogenic um stuff like the pinwheel cave in california um and we're, they're making all sorts of discoveries so how did i mean how did you think about it same thing just basically what you learned in school yeah and then you know talking to one guy in particular dr Gre gregory little he opened my eyes to a couple of things. Number one, they there's a lot of these sites that are very close to us, and there's some really cool stuff in uh, in Michigan. We don't have to travel to Egypt to see some of these ancient sites, but uh, and then at the same time, yeah, there's mounds of, of Michigan and uh, a lot here, Cahokia in Illinois, Serpent Mound in Ohio. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of stuff by us. Yeah, and I'll be traveling to the Serpent Mound here coming up. I just got to figure out uh, a uh -huh. time to to do that, but uh, 
And then also just like the, what's what's written about him in the school books, you know what I mean? Like um, if you go down to South America, there's just a whole new history about people being in the North America and you know, North America's or the, in the Americas in general. And just, uh, yeah, we, people have been here for a lot longer than uh, we were we were taught in schools, which is, you know, it kind of reverberates back to a lot of the information and a lot of these 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 textbooks that are just a little bit outdated. And again, in a hundred years from now, the stuff that we're talking about is fact. It's probably going to be changed too. So, right. When what, what's the point of the of the change though? What, well, I mean, it's a lot of that stuff's like American centric too. You know, like right, it's like right, from right. the the view of us or whatever. Well, you know, we like, celebrate Columbus Day and things like that. So of course it's going to be. I don't heavy. think anymore. I mean, I don't. Even, yeah, I think they, cha- <laughs> they changed. Seriously, I think they changed it. Which I mean, he wasn't the first person, you know, at all, and he brought you know diseases and killed people. So I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, even back then that really in school, they didn't really talk about it that much until that's more of like a recent thing. Um, I mean, not aside from like the diseases and the, the bloodshed, that kind of stuff, but just like um, that we view things through like the U.S.'s eyes or, or whatever, if you will. And I think that um, I too liked that episode with Dr. Gregory Little, Gregory Little, where he was talking about South America and like how they have a whole different history and teach, you know, the history of the Americas kind of in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at, again, uh, Contiki in like Thor Heyerdahl's theory and like building a raft on the uh, coast of Chile and floating all the way to Easter Island or French Polynesia, I mean, people were getting around. So I have no doubt that people were getting back and forth between, you know, the islands and, uh, South America. So, right. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's how I think about it. And I think that the Clovis first, the whole, you know, 15, 16,000 years ago, I think it's way before that. Now they're finding stone tools and stuff and caves and, uh, Mexico, I think there was a recent find in uh, Chiquehite, I think is how you pronounce it. It's a cave, and they found like 200 little arrowheads dating back to, uh, or stone tools dating back to like 30,000 years or something like that. So um, stuff, you know, keeps getting older, as Graham Hancock would say. I mean, yeah, it does. Like, I would just, you know, I think a lot of these are just conservative timelines too. And I think that that's... I don't know if that's intentional or if that's just how it is. And then um, it's it becomes harder to change that timeline, though, like once they set it in stone. So, I mean, it is what it is. But Yeah. Um, okay, so now we go to the ancient uh, Mycenaeans, Minoans, and Greeks. Um, did you think about any of those civilizations or people before we Not started? Not really. I, I, again, I did just kind of learned what I knew in school, but I didn't really know much. And then have doing those in-depth episodes about the philosophers and things like that have really been some eye-openers for me, at least. Yeah, so uh, we did, we're in the middle, we took a long hiatus. I mean, it's probably been five, six months since we did our last Ancient Greece. So I think we got to Ancient Greece part four. Um, we did part four was on like megalithic structures and um, temples. And I think 
Uh, part three was, uh, or ancient Greece was, uh, the sophists. Part two was Plato, uh, or Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. And part mm-hmm. one was, uh, the pre-Socratics. So, um, yeah, I learned a lot. Obviously, since we started this podcast, I've gotten way more into philosophy and I did know about some of the philosophers, obviously, and the different things and the Socratic method and stuff like that. But I think once we, once I got into it, actually, I mean, I look at philosophy as a very valuable tool. It's a way to look at the world and interface with the world. Um, so, I mean, I think currently philosophy is one of the better things that I've looked into that's helped me look at things in a different way and analyze things um, through the lens of logic and reason and ethics and, you know, morals and different things like that. And like, you know, we'll talk about, you know, about some of that stuff later, but going in, I didn't really think about any of that kind of stuff. I just thought about like these old wise people, you know, and then you see Bill and Ted, you know, and you get, so so crates in there you, you got, know you got carlin out there <laughs> um no but learning those views probably have actually skewed your whole uh, mind frame and instead of just jumping right into something you can use more of your reasoning abilities and weigh the pros and the cons to to, to drive you into a uh you know a state of mind that that feels okay to you yeah and i mean look um the Greeks were super influential on, on uh, Western Everything. society. Yeah, but I mean, uh, and then, you know, the Mycenaeans and the Minoans don't get enough love and they were kind of like the precursor. So, um, yeah, I don't know. We've learned a lot. So if you're interested, go check out our Ancient Greece part one through four so far. Part five is going to be on the Eleusinian Mysteries. I think part six will be on mythology. And uh, I wanted to do one on wars, but that might be too tedious, like the Peloponnesian Wars and stuff like that. I don't know. That might uh-huh. be too. We did do the Seven Wonders of the Ancient World, too. That was actually a fun, I thought that was a fun podcast. Yeah, that's a great one. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. Um, I have far more respect for the Greeks than I did before we started doing this. And I think that's probably, even though I considered myself, you know, a weird connection with ancient Egypt before we started. I, I feel currently a strong connection with ancient Greece and philosophy and metaphysics and how to think about things in the universe and stuff like that. So nice. Okay. This one's kind of an interesting one. Cause I think a lot of people have known about as Easter Island. Um, I always associated Easter Island with Pink Floyd because of the, uh, Division Bell album cover before anything, obviously. Um, but, I mean, what did you think about Easter Island in terms of... I was of, the same exact thing. I yeah. had no clue about <laughs> any of the ins and outs. I, I don't even know if that album... They, did they take that picture there? Or is it just kind of like... Oh, I have no like idea. The, I think yeah. they're, two, they're two of them facing each other, I think. I don't know if it's like one that's just it's like a like a mirror image of it or something. Yeah, like. I don't even know if that's actually from that island. But again, yeah, I, uh, I didn't know much. And I've learned more doing this podcast than I did in high school. I really wasn't paying... <laughs> I, was, I was more concerned with writing set lists for my band for the, for the parties on the weekend. I wasn't really paying attention. I was actually thinking about it the other day. If I... I just kind of got by by uh, being very personable with the teachers and 
I, uh, I kind of just, whatever I knew, it kind of just let, let me slip by. And then as soon as I got to college, it's like, you really got to study now. And I didn't want to have any of that, any <laughs> part of that. So, <laughs> but it, I think it's fun when you look at things in like a fun way, like we're yeah, not being be forced to it, do this. This sure. is what we're just interested in. And mm-hmm. at some point when you have some sort of awakening, whether it be spiritual or you just are cu- more curious or whatever the case may be. Um, I think you start to look into things and I think that if you're passionate about something, you'll really look into them. And I think that that's kind of where the magic starts, but. Well, I think everybody has a point where they learn general information. I don't know if you would say that's like when, by the time you get to freshman year or whatever, like general math, general history, all that kind of stuff. And then at that point you should be able to dive. Cause I, I, I would have just taken all music or something at that point. You know what I mean? I mean, at this point, how much of that math, like, I, I was taking pre-calc by the end. I've never used that ever in my life. I could have been learning, like, a financial skill or <laughs> something more valuable to my life, but I don't know. That's my view. Trading weed stocks. <laughs> um, well, that's one lesson I learned. Don't get into one sector. <laughs> you gotta, you got to... Uh... So you gotta broaden your uh, portfolio there. So yeah, Easter Island. I always thought it was these those interesting Moai heads, but then you learn when you look into it. Oh, those aren't just heads; they're these massive right. statues, and you're just seeing, you know, the very tip of the head covered. You know, the bottom's covered with all the sediment and layers mm-hmm. of soil. Um, and there's a bunch of them. There's different kinds. There's ones made out of, um, uh basalt which are supposedly the older ones um and then you have the newer ones from i think it's ranu raraku quarry it's volcanic tough so that's what most of the ones that you see are volcanic tough we actually did three-part easter island series i think part one is mainstream uh in academic theories part two is alternative and like alternative theories and part three was like all like the recent news and discoveries and stuff like that. So, um, as far as knowing nothing, I probably know a lot about Easter Island. I would say more than some of the other stuff we covered from doing that three part series. But also, I always read the articles when they pop up too. There's always a new article on Easter Island and a theory on um, why the Moai are there, how they got covered with the sediment, that kind of a thing. And I do like that one fun fact is it is a federal crime to run into, to, to destroy one of the Moab. Moai. Moai. Because some drunk driver ran into it. Yeah. That was somewhat <laughs> recently. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think they lost control or something. And yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't remember exactly what happened. I think we talked about it in one of the episodes. Yeah, it was the last one. Um, Let's see here. So, yeah. So, that's Easter Island. So, I would say we knew very little. Now I know a lot. Um, So ancient Mesoamerica, we haven't covered a ton of ancient Mesoamerica yet. Uh, Hopefully we'll do it going forward. We have done our episodes with Tom Lane on sacred mushroom rituals, uh, like with Maria, you know, stuff that Maria Sabina did and the rituals. And then he also did an episode on like the metaphysics and like the mushroom codices, um, so that was kind of interesting, but we haven't really done one, uh, on Mesoamerica. So maybe we'll do that going forward. Um, uh, but you know, some interesting stuff we have talked about is there, um, the Mayan water filters on that one episode where they use zeolite and crystalline quartz. And they had like these sophisticated water, water filtration systems that they used even way back in 
the time of the Mayans. So I mm-hmm. thought that that was interesting. Uh, I like the metaphysics. Um, and, uh, of course we love the entheogens, you know, the entheogenic use. So, yeah, that was like the, that was one of the first episodes where I actually started taking a look at these substances and seeing the ritual purposes for them and the actual, what they could actually do to help people heal and whatnot. Just hearing some of the stories of these expeditions that he would go down there and people would be, uh, swallowed by Quetzalcoatl and they would like, it would help them with problems in their mind or body that kind of stuff is very interesting yep um so yeah so that's one we'll touch on more uh going forward um the ancient stone uh circle builders of europe so you know you've got like uh obviously stonehenge and avebury and all these stone sites and they think that um the precursor to those stone builders were the people that built uh scarabray and uh, the stuff up near Orkney, and then they kind of like worked their way down. At least that's one of the theories. And obviously we've had Laird Scranton on a few times where we've talked about that kind of stuff too. So um, how did you think about that, you know, like Stonehenge? Or did you, you know, did you think about it at all? Or was it just some site well, that you knew about? Or I've always had the wonder of how they piled these things up. But I, I, I like the good in-depth look at it. And- I love some of those structures. I mean, I'm a photographer, so I was looking at a lot of those pictures that you were providing. Those things are beautiful. And just uh, looking at the the textures, I was really enjoying the textures of the, some of the walls and things like that. Yeah, so um, as far as Stonehenge goes, obviously it was always interesting. I mean, in school I remember being interested in like some of these sites and like you know, some mythology like Greek and Roman mythology and uh, some of the mysteries and stuff like that. But it was always just like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I prefer mm-hmm. to learn about that than like some of the other drier stuff. But um, I just remember that and thinking like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't until like three or four years ago where I really started being interested in this stuff. So, um, but yeah, I think new grange we should look at going forward um which is a site and you know there's a lot of other sites there in uh ireland scotland england that we could probably go over more that we haven't really gotten to i mean we've talked about stonehenge some on some of those news update episodes that we do or science news absolutely so yeah and that, that was that big discovery recently with stonehenge and trying to date the the rocks and find out what quarry um, and then the, uh, ancient Vedic cultures. So we've had our buddy on some of our most early episodes, Chris, on to talk about Vedanta and some of the Vedic texts. Um, but we're going to be doing more cause we'll probably be talking about Soma at some point here soon. Um, and, uh, the yeah, that'd be vi- good to be visited by our old friend maybe once and once again, that was, yeah. those were like the first three, four episodes, but when I was well, going through my happenings last summer, he, he actually lent me a book um, from the Swami. It's called The Fall of the Human Intellect. And it was like, it, it, it's a super simple book, but you want to read. He's like, don't read this too fast because you could read the whole thing probably in a day. Yeah. But he's like, read this stuff and ponder it. And it, was, it blew my mind. It's just talking about how 
people don't really think it. Like people think, but they don't use their intellect anymore. And it's a difference between having intelligence and having intellect. What I was gonna say before you cut me off, before oh, I'll was, come at you. <laughs> uh, we were gonna talk more about the Rig Veda, which is um, one of the earliest Veda texts, and um, the one where Soma's referenced a whole bunch. Um, well, we can talk more about the Mahabhatara, um, and more about, uh, yeah, I mean, just the Vedas in general. I think that we've touched on them a little bit and when Chris was on and stuff, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff to dive into there. So, um, I knew nothing about it going in and I still don't know a ton. I'd like to know more. Yeah. I like to try and take a little piece from this religion and this, I don't even know if that's a religion or not, but oh, I mean, Hinduism, Buddhism, right, right. But there's uh, everything has something to offer. That's the problem that a lot of these people, they hear one thing or another and they completely shut themselves off, which I, I think is total horse crap. It's like you should be open to a lot of these different things because they all have valuable uh, little tidbits in there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, there's that. Um. So that, as far as ancient civilizations go, that's pretty much what we've covered, I think, to this point. So, um. That's kind of what we thought on them about them. That's in we discussed a little bit about what we think now. Um, let's go to ancient mysteries now. Um, so, do you think there was a younger Dryas impact, um, or not? Like, do you? Yeah, think I that, definitely think there was. Okay. And I guess the alternative to the alternative would be. Or do you think there was some sort of like solar induced, you know, like a solar flare kind of a catastrophe incident like Robert Schock's theory? No, I think that there was definitely some kind of flood that occurred. I think you can see it in the lines within the rock. And I just think there's overwhelming evidence that that happened. Yeah, but that's what would cause that too is what I'm saying. Like the solar flare would have caused the end of the Ice Age as well in the one theory. And then... The Unger Dryas impact hypothesis ah, I see. Okay. is about either a comet breaking apart or an asteroid. Hmm. Well, I never really got to the point of what caused the actual melting, but is there a dispute that the melting happened, or is that just fact at this no, point? No, well, the dispute is how quickly, like, they think that, well, more mainstream scientists believe that the megafauna slowly died off and there was like a slower gradual melting of, you know, everything kind of. Yeah. I don't believe that. I think that you can see in the lines. I mean, even if you look at like the, um, I think at the, and the pyramids, they were showing like, uh, erosion lines and things like that, but definitely in, well, there's water erosion around the base of the Sphinx, but that's not, I, I think, as far as the pyramid goes, if there was water, it was probably just from the the Nile flooding. Ah, okay. Or at yeah, least no, I I definitely think that there was some kind of massive flood, and I think it all happened quick. Again, I'm I I base a lot of my stuff in some some of the older stories, which may be taken for uh, mm-hmm. you can take them as truth or not. But I every civilization has this great flood story. What's right. going on there? No, you're right. I mean, um. Don't you turn your head at me. No, I mean, you can read like Hamlet's Mill. I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there um, about like ancient catastrophe and flooding and stuff like that. But you're right, like each culture from around the world uh, has a flood myth or story. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't doubt that at all. 
I mean, some of those could be more recent, though, too. Like, even though they all have them, some of them could be from more recent, you know what I'm saying, times than, uh, tw- you know, th- 14, 13,000 years ago or whatever. Right. Um. So do I believe in the Younger Dryas impact hypothesis? I do. Um. I think that there was an impact. I think there's probably been a ton of impacts at different points. We know there's Greenland craters. Those could be older. Um, uh, there's uh, ton like we watched that that documentary Fireball, and we did the review of it. I just from watching that, you just realize that like how fragile life is on this planet, and how easily something massive could come down. And even though we have people looking out right now, watching our backs, it's just one of those things where, yeah, I don't know. We gotta. If something does pop up, I hopefully we figure out what to do too with science yeah. and technology. Like, I like the light sail idea where you, um, they use light to like push, like as if if you can get enough light on one of the surfaces, you can push it off of its orbit. Uh huh. So like, if it was headed for us, maybe we could use a light sail. I saw that one lady on that Fireball documentary. She was talking about. Um, detonating some sort of like blast near it, not like on right. it, but like near it to like push it up. Yeah, but, no Ben Affleck, you don't have to but, land but, on it. Yeah, thing. but but even then, it's like, what if that thing breaks apart and then there's like seven of these massive pieces coming, you know, instead of just one, you know, so stuff like that. I think that um, it's a dicey, a dicey topic. Um, but yeah, so I believe in the impact. Um, I also believe that there could be, could have been some sort of solar flare thing too. Like, I don't see why there couldn't have been two things or two catastrophes. Maybe not simultaneously, but... Right. Um, was there an advanced global civilization pre-Younger Dryas impact? So do you believe that there was, like, an Atlantis? Yes. Or you do? So pr- uh, yeah. pre- prior to the end of the, the last Ice Age, you think that there was some sort of global community or... Yeah, I definitely think that there was some kind of advancements that some of the stuff got lost in translation. Or got, yeah, or some, yeah some but people knowing lost. more and then things getting lost is not the same thing as some sort of massive global. No, I mean I mean lost in translation. I mean lost in in the the changing of of I I think that there was definitely a, a civilization that knew way more. Like I was saying about the Egyptians, I think that they had knowledge that was passed on to them about the spirituality and yeah, they, they, they don't know how to build computers or anything, but maybe, maybe all this technology doesn't even mean anything. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we live in a time where we think that the, the newest shiniest thing is the most important thing in the world. And, um, the, the older I get, I, I, I try and I, I see that being more minimal and getting rid of some of that stuff. You'll actually be happier. It's like a trick to your mind almost. Yeah, so I mean, do I believe that at some point, you know, around there before then people were more advanced in getting around? Yeah, I do. I don't think that it's, you know, flying cars and, you know, lasers no, and diamond saws and stuff like that. I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's just people. I think it's like how, you know, um, I think it's probably kind of how it's always been where there's some people that live certain ways, you know, there's farmers, there's indigenous people, there's, 
people that work in tech, you know, like there's just a whole range of different types of people that are doing different things. And I think back then it was probably no different. It might look different. Like there might've been, obviously they didn't have Silicon Valley or Google or, you know, whatever back then. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that there was definitely a range of different people living on the planet, I would say. And if there's a catastrophe, I think that just like there'd be catastrophe now, you get a lot of people wiped out, especially people that are dependent on, you know, systems and the way things are. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So, and to, I, we didn't even really think about that stuff before we started doing the podcast and we've had George Howard on, who's I think a co-author of the Younger Dryas Impact Hypothesis paper. Um, and, uh, Again, we've had other people on to talk about that. So, you know, it's something that we've definitely come back to here and there. So, um, so this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which would be who built Gobekli Tepe and why. We kind of already went over that. I wasn't expecting us to go as deep as we did earlier. Um, going in, what did I, who did I think built them? some lost civilization that we're unaware of. Um, I still think that there's a small possibility or chance for that, but I currently believe that there are just people in the area that were advanced for their time. So again, you see this spread out to influences on the Cyclades and Malta and Sardinia and all that kind of stuff. So I think that they were just people advanced for their time that we're working with stone. Um, and again, they could have been a civilization that we just don't have a name for. Um, I don't necessarily still believe, I don't think they're hunter gatherers. I'm open to the idea, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm right there on board with you. I think, uh, I think the humans are, if you look at Chicago, man, I mean, that's, that's quite the feat. So it's like, yeah, we might have more technology now, but we can build stuff like that. Why, why couldn't humans do some stuff like that? You know what they did at the Gobekli Tepe sites. And I'm definitely on board with you. I think the human race is very capable of building some, some magnificent things if they put their minds to it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So this is the one that you brought up on when we were talking about fireball. Did the ancient Sumerians or ancient civilizations in general know there were nine planets? And it's interesting that today there was an article that came out by, about the Antithacara. Uh, uh, I, I don't know how you pronounce it. Ant, well, don't look at me. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's Antikythera. Um, you know, the machine that they found in ancient Greece um, that dates back to like 2000 BC. Mm-hmm. They're like gears. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Um. So they they rebuilt part of it, scientists, and they figured some things out, and they realized that it was a machine to kind of track the five planets that they knew about: uh, Mercury, you know, Venus, obviously Earth, Mars, um, Saturn, you know, and um, they also had a thing that tracked like eclipses on there. So this machine was like an astronomical. Um, invention. It was like an analog computer, kind of. Uh, they still don't know exactly how it works, but so to the point about 
did the ancient Sumerians know that there was nine planets? Well, in that tablet that you're talking about, there is what looks like to be a star or a sun surrounded by nine bodies. But everything I read, (coughs) excuse me, everything I read um, says that those could have been other like um, celestial bodies like Ceres or these like not, you know, like large bodies or other stars. Like it could have been other, you know, celestial bodies and not other planets, if that makes sense. I mean, it could have been anything is what essentially what you're saying. Not anything, but bright things in well, the, big, the sky. Well, big, big, yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be the planets. It could be big, bright stars or... So, yeah, so that's what I took away from that. I don't think that... I mean, how are you going to see Pluto? We didn't even know Pluto was a planet till like, I think, the early 1900s or something. Well, it was a planet, then it wasn't a planet. Yeah, we don't even know planet. now. So I mean, <laughs> so that that's what I'm saying is, like, things like that. It's like, so how would these ancient people would have known when we're still debating it to this day i don't know that's the that's the thing like if they were capable of tapping into some kind of uh knowledge but again that's that's quite esoteric yeah i think it's more again just like super bright stars or things that they probably maybe they thought were planets but were just other bright stars stuff like that you don't think that they they, they possibly could have built some kind of magnifying glass even if they did, I think it's still, I mean, I, it's I don't pretty far out there. I think is, what is it? I think maybe Uranus, they say you can barely see with your naked eye and that's like, right. if it's super clear and. But I, to, to defend that point though, back then there would be no city lights. So maybe your maybe eyes were just more <clears throat> capable back then. Dude, we, again, we don't know. No, I, I know. And I can tell you. That no, right, nobody, nobody was seeing Neptune and Pluto. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, you can say whatever you want. Did they build something? Maybe they did. But even with that, I, I highly doubt you would have to, like, know what you're looking for still. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, again, it's hard to rule out any of the possibilities because we don't live back then. So we right. don't really understand. But, yeah, so that was something that we were talking about. Uh, next we have who built the sphinx and when oh, did you well, think about this at all before or i just thought it, i thought that all that stuff was before i thought it was all built at the same time and it was just you know a pyramid built for what is it what's his name it was a tomb for uh what the no, sphinx not the pyramids right i thought the sphinx was was a, no. was a tomb for, nope. for a great king never been all right, well, there you go. The Sphinx has always been just the Sphinx. And then there's some that argue that there's a chamber under the paw or that there's some chambers in there, but that, that has nothing to do with tombs. That's <clears throat> people suggesting that there's some, like, hidden knowledge or hidden room or whatever. Well, I guarantee you if you went out a man-on-the-street quiz and you asked people what are these, what, are, what, what these things are, the Sphinx and the pyramids and stuff, they're all going to say tombs. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think that you're just saying that to cover up the fact that you thought it was a tomb. No, I'm telling you, <laughs> all right, man. I, I'm just no. Have you ever seen the show Jaywalking on Jay Leno? Where yeah. You just go out and these people are. Yeah, we're I'm all a thousand you, years old. Yeah. Well, they just they just base they, they go they hear that one thing's a tomb they're gonna go they're all tombs. Yeah. Yeah. So the Sphinx is just it's just a massive decoration essentially we don't know. Again, I mean, 
there's some people that think, you know, some of the alternative theories, like a Graham Hancock thinks it was facing Leo roughly 9,000 years ago, I think, or something like that when it was facing, the constellation was facing, uh, or the Sphinx was facing the constellation of Leo. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just a Sphinx. I mean, there's other Sphinxes. There's littler mm-hmm. ones. I think they found another one uh, somewhere recently. Um, but in terms of like the dating, we know the controversy is when was it built because there's water erosion around the base of it as if water has been dripping down the sidewalls around the base of the Sphinx where the blocks were cut that they used to build the Sphinx temple. Um, but yeah, Robert Schock's um, theory is that, you know, it's older. And then you have John Anthony West's theory. So yeah, there's, and then there's other people that say maybe it's been chiseled down and it was um, different things before. Maybe it wasn't a lion. Maybe it was, uh, you know, Anubis, or maybe it was, uh, I mean, there's so many different people saying different things, um, or that maybe it was bigger and it had more of like an actual lion's face, you know, that kind of stuff. So, well, I'm looking at some pictures right now. It does look like that head's a little bit tiny for that massive body. Yeah. So that was one of the arguments too. It's like these master builders wouldn't have built something where the proportions would have been off like that. If you look at all their other statues and temples and everything everything's usually pretty proportional so yeah it's crazy um but yeah so there's different people i think even john anthony west would go, went back to like saying it could be like thirty thousand or 30 like two great years in the past like two uh processions of the equinox in the past which would have been a long long time ago some people say, and that, that just opens the door to any possibility at that yeah, point. That you know, but you know, if you look at like when the last time it was supposedly like lush around there with like tons of rain, I think it was a long time ago. So I think that's also part of it. Man, that would be nice to go back in time, and well, see what was going, see what was doing. You go back to that that time period. You go back like twelve thousand or whatever, and it's like these <laughs> thing these things are not there yet. Yeah. So you don't even know where you are. I mean, that would be, um, just, yeah, but so there's different theories, you know, like you mentioned the, the Graham Hancock, Robert Vall one where, you know, the alignment of the three pyramids with the three stars of Orion's belt. Um, I don't even, I think that it's possible that the pyramids and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but I think it's possible that they're older. I just don't know how much older and I don't know if all that alignment stuff is correct. Like it could have been some other alignment or it could have had some other purpose too. I'm not sold on the three. Yo, Ryan Bell. Yeah. I, I think know. it's just too easy. And I think it was like a stretch for them. Easy. It's too easy. Yeah. I'm saying it's like to look at, I mean, here's the thing is you have to remember, you're just going by things you've heard, things we've talked about. <laughs> I've read all the recent research. I know what people are saying. I know what people do in YouTube channels on. I know what people are other podcasts and you know I, I listen to I know what's going on you know so it's like from my point of view I'm not just going to believe something to believe something I'm going to listen to all the different points of view and then make a decision and my current standing on all this is that the sphinx is definitely older than what they say and the pyramids I'm not so sure about I think the pyramids could be you know as old as they say that they are there was that recent discovery where they found uh, a piece of wood um, 
from part of the inside the Great Pyramid where it was dated, I think it was like cedar, and it was dated like a thousand years before the current dating of the pyramid. But there's also like a um, a dating gap there too. Like it could could just be an error in dating or like it's too, um, the range is too much. So, it, you know, it still puts it in the range of where it is now. So they ever do any of that LIDAR stuff over there? Yeah, they do. They do LIDAR stuff in ancient Egypt. There's another site. Uh, we'll probably talk about it. I mean, we might have. I think I've mentioned it a few times. Uh, Napta Playa. I think it's right over the border in Sudan, and it's like more like Stonehenge, where it's these like stone circles that are kind of, you know, uh, astronomical alignment in a circle. So, yeah. So there's stuff like that for sure. I would love to go to Egypt. I think that might be uh, Mike and Maury's field trip if we ever get the chance. That would be amazing. Yeah. I mean, I'm not. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I want to see. I, I would love to see the pyramids, but it's not on the top of my list. I want to go to Italy and Greece first. Yeah. Um. But I would like to go see the pyramids at some point. Has there been a new discovery in the Nefertiti tomb? I don't know. Did you just see something online? A friend was asking. Um... Maybe. I have no idea. Yeah, we'll have to look into that. Um, yeah, that's interesting. There's new stuff popping up all the time. I mean, I try and like read as much as I can of what's out there, but there's always something new going on. Okay. Let's see. How, how the Great Pyramids were built and when. Obviously, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Going in, I thought, I don't know what I thought. I thought that they were very mystical, very old. I thought they were probably a lot older than what I think they are now. Again, I'm open to to being older. I'm open to different dating. I'm just going by what I've seen so far. So, um, you know, we're all about, like, truth, too. So I'm not going to just use my own cognitive bias and just buy into whatever narrative I like either. I want to look at these things objectively and uh, make a decision on what I think so far. And I think that the great pyramids are magnificent works of, you know, art basically. I mean, they are their architecture too, which is, um, you know, the Egyptians were master architects, but I will say that, I do think that the Great Pyramids um, were built in some weird way that we just still don't understand. I, I do believe that. I think that I like. There's theories I like. There's the internal ram theory from, I think it's um, Jean Pierre Luptan. I think is his name. The internal ram theory, and he was an architect that got obsessed with like the Great Pyramid, and then kind of came up with his own theory. I think they've done a special or two about it. Uh, there's the external ramp theory, which is like one of the mainstream ones where they built this massive ramp, which almost needed more, I think, stone. Yeah, but didn't they reproduce that and they, it's impossible <clears throat> to push it up that? Again. Or, I mean, or the ramp would have to be at such a small They didn't rep- reproduce that... anything. They're not They're not out there with building ramps against the I, pyramid. I could have sworn I saw these guys recreated this little 
that they took the amount that the stones so what weigh. it's like like a model of it like a smaller model yeah yeah and the ramp would have to be at such a small incline this thing would be miles Maybe, and miles long i wouldn't doubt that but they didn't they definitely didn't do any full-size reconstruction oh. <laughs> which is i mean that's the only yeah. thing that would matter right because how would you even know like even if you that's did a true. smaller scale you're not gonna really know what's going on what about uh, that water when they they could float well, they did fly. I mean, they did use boats. There's the, I think it's, is it the Mare Papyrus? One of the papyrus or papyri that they found talks about how they floated these blocks from Tura, you know, where they get the limestone. They floated them on these boats down the Nile. So, I mean, that did happen. Whether, whether that papyrus, you know, they're talking about these blocks, whether those were used for temples or what, or if they were actually used for the Great Pyramid, um, I don't know. I don't think that there is an answer to that either. So, what about levitation, Holmes? <clears throat> um, I think that sound. Yeah, I mean, sounds powerful. But how have you ever seen those videos where they have this like these crazy, you know, hertz going, and they've got these like little tiny balls just like floating in the air? Yeah. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Well, now, now imagine what it would take to float an entire block. I mean, well, talking, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not what's saying gonna, that's the what's theory. Gonna, I'm talking about some of the more far-fetched ones. I know, but I'm saying what's what would do that? I don't know of anything that could even create that much vibration or sound. Maybe the Grateful Dead's wall of sound. <laughs> well, we don't know. Again, if you could try, if you could, if you could get sound to reverberate and then exponentially keep increasing. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, again, you would just. I'm not need... a constri. I don't build anything, so like, if we were talking. There to is one of my a video. Friends... There is a video on YouTube where there's this, it's one dude, and I actually think he's from Michigan or lives in Michigan, where he's using different angles and stuff, and he's like literally lifting these massive blocks with just like using, you know, balance and like a fulcrum. And just understanding engineering and, and, you know, physics and how things work. And I think that he's using, um, he was just able to like balance these things in a certain way. And he put like little pebbles, I think, on underneath or on the ground. And then these massive blocks were on top of it. It was like enough to have it like off the ground enough to like, you know, twist it or, you know, manipulate it or move it around or whatever. Um, I for, I'll, crazy. I'll look Baffles. for the video. I'll look for the video after, but yeah, there is a guy that can move like massive blocks just himself too. There's nobody else. He even did one to kind of like how Stonehenge would be where he like cut out this hole and it was just him. He like dug out this hole and then tried to like, he stood this, this one massive block like straight up in the air, just himself using like leverage and yeah, you can like roll it. Yeah. I mean, but again, that's just, if one person can do that, but then you have a whole team of people that know how to do that, I mean, that's how you get stuff done. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> there's, so, we, yeah. We, we go back in time, there's just one guy building the pyramid. Right. And then, you go, wow, so, we were very wrong. So, But then to your point about like who the people were that actually helped out, I think that I like the theory, and I think it's a good one, is that the people that helped build the great pyramid were actually master builders or very handsy type people They're, you know, they, mm. they, they knew what they were doing and a lot of them were farmers. So in the wet season, when the Nile would flood, you would get all those people to come and work on this like common project. Now the problem is 
is they said that the Great Pyramids were built in 20 years. Um, I think even some people push it up. I think this Mark Leonard guy pushes up to 10 years. 10 years. That's crazy. Um, so I think and that's full time. Like if people were working on it full time. So there's the problem is like if you have all these master builders and workers and they're only doing it there in the wet season, I would think that it would take a lot longer than just 20 years or 10 years or whatever. Yeah, it's hard to base it on any of those just predictions, though. You know what I mean? I'd rather, I don't know. I, I I'm right up on the same camp as you. I don't think that 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 slaves were doing that kind of crafty work. But who am I to say what a slave was back then? They may have been more skilled. Oh, I mean, like I said, I think that when you look at like the blocks and everything, I don't. I think it's it's more. I think it's more correct to say that these people just knew how things worked than to say there was just this massive amount of people. They needed like all these hands on deck um, kind of a thing to, to even move anything around. So I, I don't think that, um, again, I think that these were just skilled people in general. Um, I don't think that you can do it. Um, I don't think you could have done that under duress is what I'm saying. So I don't think you could right. be forced to do something like that. I think that that's something that you either, it's like you being passionate about building or you being an architect or a builder, you know, something like that, that you get enough of those people together. And then the other thing is, is I don't even know if there was enough people that would have been even forced to do that kind of labor in that area at the time. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think I've seen different places where, there wasn't even the amount of people that they said needed to build it. There wasn't even that amount of people living in that area at the time. So, well, do, what do we really know? Yeah, I don't know. Again, you got you, you to tread lightly with any of that kind of stuff. Well, it's all speculation. I Absolutely. mean, or a lot of speculation, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. So that was that's my whole thinking. You know, and as far as the dating, there's people that would argue that they're older. Um, and that the only re like the only person, or I should say the only way we know that the pyramids were built by Khufu is the graffiti. Uh, I think it's red ochre that they used on the inside of the pyramid. Um, and people say that it's too crude or doesn't look right or doesn't look like how you would look if you just spent all this time building this thing. Um, and then there's been people that have gotten in trouble trying to take pieces of these things and date them, you know, yeah. um, or pieces, uh, chip pieces off and date it. So, um, as far as the dating goes, I'm, I'm open to whatever. I think it's what they say it is or near that, maybe a little bit older. Um, but I'm open to being wrong. So. Absolutely. Um, you can't be afraid to be wrong. No, I mean, that's that's a big part of, I think, us growing, too, in terms of, like, doing this podcast and stuff is, for me, is, like, admitting to myself, you know, I, you don't know everything, and even as much research as you do, you still have to be open to the idea that you're wrong, so. Yeah. Well, it's a humbling experience, and anyone that's create, that creates art has, you put something out there someone's gonna not like it so you better get ready for that it's just so it's it's almost like a little it's like you grow a skin you know you grow a little thicker hide so you're yeah. not just crushed every single time again sometimes people say something to me and it cuts a little deeper but at the same time you got to just accept that 
when you're dealing with anything with your own thoughts, when you're putting stuff out into the world, some people are going to agree and some people are going to disagree. Yeah. That's why I love that Avi Loeb interview because he, he, he's got the cojones to go out there and say what he thinks and whatever backlash happens, that, that's, that's what's going to go down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so did some ancient civilizations have more technology or advanced ideas um, than we give them credit for? Um, one example would be what we were just talking about. Obviously, this amazing feat with the Great Pyramid. Maybe they didn't even use that crazy of techniques to cut the, the white limestone from Tura. Um, but maybe the other things, you know, like the, the granite that was used in the chambers and stuff like that. So I think that there are things that can't be easily explained. Um, another example would be the other thing we were talking about, the uh, antique Athera um, computer or analog computer that they found um, in the water in a Greek shipwreck, I think. Uh, I think it's 2000 B.C., and again, they recreated that and realized that it's it was tracking five known planets, you know, showing them when eclipses were happening and stuff like that. So that's pretty advanced for Absolutely that time. Absolutely is, yes. Um, so if that's happening, I have no doubt that, you know, like we know the Greeks were going to Egypt to learn. Um, some of the earliest philosophers, Thales, Pythagoras, um, you know, Herodotus got around, you know, so there's a lot of people getting around. So I have no doubt that there was ancient things that we just didn't understand. Um, in terms of technology, like even something that had simple gears back then could have been super advanced, right? Like this this analog computer thing that was tracking the, the motion of the planets. Um, so was there more stuff going on that we don't, you know, give them credit for i think yeah there's some ancient technologies and things that we probably don't know about or have gotten lost like this uh this analog computer and probably oh, for every one thing we know about i said it said there's at least three that we don't right yeah in my eyes and a third of the that the computer is gone so i mean if a third of it's gone and like got disintegrated or whatever I mean, that's 2000 BC. There's got to be tons of other things that we've lost too, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, stuff, you know, like some of the pre precision cut stuff. Yeah, there's stuff to explain some of it. But when you start getting into like the granite blocks and like the harder stone and the way that they were cut and then like finely polished to like these like razor sharp edges and stuff, it's like to even move like a little bit or cut a little bit when they recreate these videos, like how, you know, they used these copper chisels that had a small percentage of arsenic in it. And that was strong enough to cut this granite from Aswan. Like, I don't buy that. Like there's something else going on. And I'm not saying it's anything that crazy, but it's just definitely not that. I would love to see what these pyramids look like <clears throat> in the pristine, shiny day. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, let's see here. Um, one thing we've talked about a little bit, what was Soma? And we're actually probably going to be doing some episodes on this. Um, I've got a, a guy, Chris Bennett, who's written a few books on the topic. Um, 
that we're probably going to have him on here soon and talk about, you know, his theory about cannabis and uh, Soma and stuff. But there's different theories. Like, have you heard of it before we started doing the podcast or no? No. I mean, I, I, I've i heard the, the Smashing Pumpkin song, Soma. No, you, I was going to say, I, I caught you because you did hear about it because you've read Brave New World because we both read it. In no, high I've never read that. You didn't read that Aldous Huxley no. book? No. I could have swore you did. I didn't. I did not. It's not the same thing. Like, there's... It's more of like a <clears throat> probably what would be more of like an antidepressant or something like now, um, right? But in in uh, in our history, it was definitely something psychoactive, in my opinion. Yeah, well, we came to the conclusion that it could be the name for a lot of different substances. That's like a generalization. Yeah, it's like saying psychedelic, like the right. word psychedelic. Okay. Um, okay. So, or drug, you know, I don't, that's my thought on it. Just from like reading what I've read, but we're, again, we're going to have Chris Bennett on and he's pretty sure it was cannabis and maybe that's part of it. Maybe it was for like a long, you know, I think even PD Newman, when he was on said that, you know, maybe that was the case. Maybe it was identified with that for like a long time, but then maybe it changed to something else or there's interchangeable things happening. Who knows? Um. So yeah, I didn't really think about it in the same way before and now I kind of, I'm very interested um, in like the ancient entheogen, uh, entheogenic compounds and psychedelic use and stuff. So, okay. <clears throat> Did the Eleusinian mysteries include psychedelics? So we are going to be doing uh, part five, ancient Greece on a, the Eleusinian mysteries. And I am convinced 100%. Well, I shouldn't say that. 90 let's go 95 percent that psychedelics were used yeah um i actually never heard of the Eleusinian mysteries before probably four years ago when we started getting into these topics um but i mean what about you i've never heard of them no you still haven't heard of them (laughs) (laughs) what what (laughs) um and I'm not going to go too deep into that because we are going to do an episode on it. Um, in terms of, oh, this is an interesting one. Was Jesus a real person? Well, you know what I feel about that. No, I don't. That's why I'm asking. I, I definitely think he was a real person. I think okay. he was a very enlightened person. And uh, But his name couldn't have actually with? been Jesus. It would have been Yeshua because there wasn't even a J back then. Okay, well, that, I think that's a neither here nor there, but well, I think it's kind of important. But uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess, the, but the but the the essence of the person is what we're referring to, and I think yes, there was there was. Uh oh, somebody was asking what mysteries the Lucinian mysteries E L E U S I N, uh I A N mysteries. They're the ancient Greek mysteries, um, and you can look that up. There's a lot of stuff on there. Um, so yeah, back to Jesus. Um, I think, yeah, I think same thing. I think he was a real person that was able to live this like incredible life in terms of like, I don't know anybody like a mother Teresa. Yeah. I know some really good people, but I don't know somebody that's like healing the sick and like, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things and trying to like, help people philosophically and things like that. I mean, so if you always seems to have some kind of underlying motive, 
but but yeah, exactly. But if you had somebody that was truly just a good person that just wanted to help other people and like that was recognized like, oh, nobody's ever lived like this, you know, that that could become an archetype too. So it could have been a real person, Yeshua, and then it could have also then turned into an archetype afterwards for like being like a good person. Like when you hear Jesus or like, you know, think about back in the day, those bracelets, like what would Jesus do? You know, like it's like what would this incredible person that supposedly had the morals and the ethics of something metaphysical you know what would they do so i mean i think that's the way um i think about it yes it was historically a real person that you know a mythology and a archetype was built around this person in my opinion and they're mm-hmm. probably an enlightened being that knew a lot about some of the stuff we talked about like esoteric topics and like other um hidden knowledge type things well they also there all there is rumor too that there that jesus could have been the uh a, a Buddha, if you will. Yeah, I don't think he was. He had any sort of special powers or anything like that. Um, in my opinion, other than like I said, being an enlightened person and helping other people and stuff like that. So, right. Yeah, I don't think he's. Well, I don't think magic exists in the sense of the guy's going to point his finger and sparks are going to come flying out. But if he, he was a truly enlightened being. I think that because they are on a different wavelength of of uh, of, of knowledge and uh, of consciousness, then they are able to things are able to come into fruition, and things that they that they put their mind to will 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 happen faster. That kind of thing. But here's the other thing too: is I mean, so to the argument of him being a physical person, I mean, there is the Pontius Pilate stone. Um, there are, um, there are like books and, um, writings of him being talked about in opposition. So it's like, if he wasn't a real person, why would other people be talking about him as opposition? If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. (laughs) Well, I didn't hear anything, bro. (laughs) Don't, don't make that. All right. Yes, it does. But I, I don't no, oppose just, I, my man. But, but, but I'm just saying, like, in terms of like, if if other people are talking about, so, like, if somebody didn't like you, right? Well, and, there's always the truth. The, the truth lies between, you know. But, but what I'm saying is, if somebody didn't like you, why would they write books about you if you didn't exist? Yeah, that's a good point. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that. So, yeah. I mean, that's part of it. But, um. So yeah, I think he was like a real enlightened being, but I don't think there's anything supernatural wise happening. Okay. <clears throat> was Atlantis a real civilization or was it just an allegory created by Plato? I think it was real. What did you but think I live before? On, but I live on the edge. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just think that there's a lot of knowledge. Uh, I I think there's too much said, and I think there's too many pa- there's too many places like the Azores that look pretty darn similar to some of these descriptions. And I also think that their knowledge was passed down that river to, all the way down to Egypt. And I think they had some of the like like we can't dispute that the the Egyptians had knowledge that we still don't even really understand. Right. So if they st- if they had some kind of crazy knowledge, number one, where did it come from, and um, 
well, number one, where did it come from? I think it came so from you think, uh, Atlantis. So, so you think Atlantis is like how we think about ancient Egypt, but that's how ancient Egypt's thought about Atlantis? It might have been more. I, I don't know. I think that there's too much time that separates us from from Egypt. I think that those civilizations might have. Low, well, there would have uh, been more time that separated Atlantis from ancient Egypt. Atlantis was supposedly um, nine thousand years prior to, so it would have been like around the time of Gobekli Tepe. It would have been like eleven thousand six hundred years. Like nine thousand six hundred years would. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't, it was passed down, the story was passed down from Solon, who went to ancient, we talked about this a right, lot. Right, yeah. Uh, Solon went to a- ancient Egypt, talked to this Egyptian priest, Sankis, who gave him the whole story. Solon goes back, passes it down three generations to Plato, who was supposedly either related on his mom's side, or they were... um like family friends type of a thing, something like that. Um, so those are, that's how that got passed down. So again, um, and that's just a name too. So that's just a name that somebody created. There could have been this civilization or global thing happening where maybe there's other names for it too. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you thought you coming in, you thought it was a real, a real civilization or a no, real. No, coming in, I didn't. I thought it was a bunch of horse pucky. But then after I, doing all of the stuff that we've done, I've seen that there's actually some 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 scientific fact behind this and uh, some credible people. Again, I you know you say the Solon thing was it a story? Was it an allegory? I don't know, but I think that uh, I think there was something else out there, and doesn't uh. Rudolf Steiner uh, refer to it in some way. What, Atlantis? Yeah. I mean, both Steiner and Edgar Cayce talks yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, His yeah, yeah. Those are my boys, so I, I'm, I'm down on that train. Okay. I mean, you know, there's some stuff that Steiner does, like Lumeria types. You know, like there's some things that I don't necessarily believe in or whatever, but I do think... I'm going to go with real civilization because um, I just think that if you look at like the way Plato wrote the dialogues, um, if it was an allegory, it probably wouldn't have been so specific. Um, right. They wouldn't have talked about, you know, the patina and like the metallurgy that was used. They wouldn't have talked about all these specific things. I mean, if you look at the other dialogues, um, I don't see that. Like, I don't see those connections. So, I don't know. I think it was a real civilization. But with all of these things, I'm open to being wrong, too. Every single thing we've talked about, if somebody can provide other evidence or whatever, I'm I'm open to being wrong, for sure. Well, that's, you know, maybe maybe a year and a half ago, I wouldn't be so uh, outgoing with my thoughts. I might believe it but at this point you know what i'm saying I, i'm just gonna come out and say that yes i i believe that it's there you can change your mind anymore. too in the yeah, future yeah that's the thing yeah and i think that that you know with all of this stuff that's what we have to get back to is just people in general like it's okay to be wrong it's okay to make a mistake you know and then you learn from it and then move on um so if we talk about a topic on the show and we get it wrong, well, maybe in the future we'll get it right. Or maybe new evidence will, um, you know, rise to the top and we'll figure it out from that, you know, through that avenue. I don't know, 
but I mean, again, I think to be, to know things, I think you have to just take chances and be open to being wrong. In my opinion, you got to read everything. You got to know everything mainstream alternative. Of course, you don't want to listen to the complete speculative stuff. Cause that's just, it's basically like reading fiction. So, I mean, yeah. I like some fiction and I know a lot of people like fiction. That's cool. Well, but, I'm not a scientist either, so I'm not really going to have much backlash <clears throat> if I say Atlantis is real and then it turns out to not be. If I'm writing textbooks and stuff, there might be more of a right a backlash on me. But okay, so the last one for the ancient mysteries, and then do you want to wrap this up and we can do part two tomorrow? We might sure. actually need to do like three parts. I didn't know this was going <laughs> to take this long. Well, getting into a chit chat. Um. Okay, so last one. This is actually one of our more recent popular episodes, and it wasn't even with a guest. It, and um, to, who wrote the the Codex Gigas and why? Oh. So the Devil's Bible. We did a whole um, episode on the connections between um, the the first image of the quote unquote devil or, or whatever um, in the Codex Gigas, which is known as the the Devil's Bible. And the connection between that and what psychedelic entities look like and the author looking into his background uh, was kind of, you know, a hermeticist that also, you know, was into like alchemy and there's some alchemical texts and hermetic texts and everything mixed into this, um, this manuscript. So um, did, did you hear about it before we did the podcast on it? And then what do you think about it after since we've yeah, done it? Yeah, I think it? I did hear about that massive book, but I think I heard some, some, some facts that well they weren't facts i heard a bunch of myths surrounding it but it was good to to lay out the real facts and get down to the nitty-gritty and uh i don't know again that you hear that this guy wrote this book in a night you know what i mean and mm-hmm. you don't really know what where that's coming and from it's 100 Is that real? it's 160 pounds it's, it's like nine inches thick it's the largest book that exists right so obviously there's a lot of myths that surround it. I don't think the guy wrote it in a night, but um, to hear the real story and... In a night, too, they said it would be hard to write that in a lifetime. (laughs) Seriously, no, that's... that's, it's. They said it would take 30 years given all the illustrations and the way it was written and the type of style it was written. Right, but you know what the most interesting part about it is the lettering was so so precise, and even if one person wrote the thing, um, their hand would cripple their hand would change and they wouldn't be able to write the lettering as meticulously as they did. So I don't know. Again, it's, it's very interesting. And it, and I don't think you need to look at to these fictional stories for intriguing mystery. You can look at real stuff based in, in, in our world and go from there. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we do with this podcast, right? Is we look at like, what are truly the mysteries, you know, like you can look things up now with the internet. I mean, it's, you know, I, I like to look at multiple sources. You know, obviously there's Wikipedia and stuff and Britannica and all these different things online. But um, I'll read articles. I'll read those. I'll read books. You know, I read a whole array of stuff to get a bunch of different, you know, ideas and opinions on things. So, um, so as far as the Codex Gigas, as I mentioned before, you can go watch our episode on it. Um, again, I thought that was actually a good episode too, because I learned a lot doing that. And I think that, um, that's why people like that episode. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of stuff out there about that thing. I've never really looked searched myself. <clears throat> it's a lot of the same is... stuff. It's a lot of the metaphysics. It's like like what you mentioned that the devil appeared to this guy and you know he made a deal with the devil and was able to write this book in one night saving his life. Again, I'm mm-hmm. not going to go into the whole thing. Go watch our episode on it, but or listen to our episode on it. Um but yeah, I think who I th- I think uh um, Herman the Recluse, who I mentioned in the episode, is the one who wrote it. And I think they wrote it. Um, they were writing it anyways and then gave it up as to save their own life, if that makes sense. Like that's right. some, like some life's magnum opus or work that he's like, oh, I can just say that I'll do this even though I know it's already done and give it to them and save my own life. That's what I think happened. Yeah, that makes more sense. So, wow. Yeah, we still have a lot to get to. This might be a, a three-parter by the time we're done, but um, we'll wrap it up here. We only got to the ancient civilizations and ancient mysteries portion, so we still have consciousness. We still have esoteric and occult knowledge. I want to talk well, about... Well, I like it because I feel more comfortable just coming out and telling my opinion and not worrying about what's going to happen to me. Right. Or look foolish, if you will. We still have God's or God, gods, and creator, do they exist? Um, we still have megalithic structures. Uh, we still have metaphysics, near-death experiences, psychedelics, philosophy, space-time in the universe, um, paranormal, and then UFOs, aliens, and interdimensionals. So maybe this will be a three-parter. Beautiful. Well, everybody, thanks for joining us tonight. We'll be back at the same time tomorrow. Looks like we get a nice little crew, late-night style. Yeah, we were doing a lot of late night shows for a while and it changes when we have guests. Usually if we're going to do it live, it's probably during the daytime because um, we're the only weirdos that stay up this late, you know, so <laughs> I guess not the only ones. We love you weirdos watching right now yeah. or listening, so. The, the later, the weirder. Um. <laughs> so, but so far I would say that it looks like some of the stuff that we thought going in was a little too woo-woo or fringe. Mm-hmm. But I think that once you realize, like, you read all of the academic stuff, too, and you get the full spectrum on things, you realize there are still holes. There is this, like, fringe. There are things that are debatable that aren't set in stone. Obviously, science isn't set in stone. It's always evolving. Same thing with philosophy and ideas and consciousness and stuff like that. So... Um, I think it's important to kind of go over once in a while and look at like where you've been, what you were thinking and where you are now. So, yeah. Well, some of the stuff you flip flop on and some of the stuff, well, that's the bottom line is some of the stuff that I thought I was into, then I changed my mind and some of the stuff that I like the Atlanta stuff that I thought was, was total horse pucky. Now I really am into. So, yeah. Every time you say that, you sound like you're Canadian. Well, I'm trying to watch my mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a new Maurice. <laughs> um, but hey. uh, no, that's, that's, not, that's not the worst thing, um, watching your mouth. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. when we first started, I think we actually swore a lot, too. That's the other thing that's changed. Oh, we went ballistic. But, yeah, you know, we, we were trying to be ourselves. But, you know, at the same time, we're changing, too. So I think I swear less, change. actually, generally, as a person now, too, since we stopped. It wasn't even like a conscious thing. I don't even know how it happened. I don't know. I try not to swear at all anymore. I don't, some of the stuff 
because I like to do comedy and whatnot, but I almost think it's funnier when you don't. Yeah. When you say darn, not yeah. <laughs> but who knows? I, yeah. I mean, Welcome I. Welcome th- to the PC era. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that uh, not swearing is not a bad thing. Right. Especially if you're trying to come from a place of sophistication. It's just not. Well, you bring up a good needed. point. I actually think it has something to do with that. I think when you don't have anything to say, that's kind of like a default, right? You're trying mm-hmm. to make people laugh, or you're trying to think of something clever, or you're going to say something crazy that's going to grab people's attentions. That kind I don't of know. Thing. I've I've mixed people. Well, I base it more on like the, a stand-up comedy uh, routine. It's like some some of the comics they say that swearing is an easy way to get a laugh, so it's like it's like a cop out. But then you got guys like Chris Rock, who are undoubtedly some of the best. He's one of the best stand-ups, and he swears all the time. So it, it just depends on who you are and your personality. I think. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that, but for me personally, I think that now that we have done tons of research and we are progressed along and when there is like, we have a specific way we do the show and things like that. Um, I think that it's pushed us in the, in, in the realm of like, you don't need to do that. Right. There's other things to talk about. There's other things you can say, like I said, I think it was just kind of like a, a default mode that we, fell into for years just joking around about stuff or just that's how we carried ourselves you know true but also when you're talking for long periods of time and then you listen back everybody has their own uh fall fallback word i was listening to an interview you know is mine dude i was listening to an interview with george clooney and this guy says you know (laughs) after every single word i don't think george clooney is like a fool or anything i would actually hold him in a regard of an intelligent actor but i guess it's hard when you're like this is a Howard Stern thing. So when you're on the cuff like that, they they're not prepared to to talk and they're not they don't have anything prepared for the stories or whatever. So they're falling back into their groove and you know pops up like a, it was insane when I was I don't know where I, I got it. To it. I say it all the time. I mean, I've tried to say it less, but it's hard. Um Yeah. Although once I do you I, hear it, once you hear it, you can't unhear. Oh, it. So now I heard it. What was I listening to? I, I, I don't know. I was listening to a comedy podcast, and somebody said it like a hundred times in like three minutes or something. Seriously, <laughs> you it was, know what I mean? Those you know, it was just it was, and I say it a lot, but I so I I'm a cognizant of it too. So it's like I don't mm-hmm. fall into it as much anymore, but it is a default still. So, well, listen, everybody, we love you. Thanks for watching the show and uh hopefully you see the growth in us in terms of these ideas and topics and also uh the evolution of the podcast and uh, if you enjoy our show head on over tell to your friends yeah tell your friends tell your family head on over to patreon.com slash mind escape podcast uh for just two dollars a month you'll get exclusive guest episodes and segments uh, i just recently put some new ones up there we've got uh, matt roberts uh, we've got Avi Loeb, Andrew Gallimore, you know, lots of, I mean, I mean I'm trying to think who else we did one with. Uh, Pretty much our last 20 interviews, we've got a Patreon uh, segment. Yeah, there's on. a lot. There's a lot on there. If if you aren't a Patreon member, if you sign up for the $2 tier, it'll basically be like having a whole nother show because we've been doing this, I don't know, like a year now or something. So there's a lot of segments and episodes and we just recently started doing a fan chat i just uploaded a fan chat on there with uh some of our top fans that we were you know chatting with on discord so 
Yeah, Again, we get it, jokes flowing. It's a good time. Yeah, if you're on uh, also Discord, check out our Discord channel. Um, you also get a correlating Discord role if you sign up for Patreon. So check that out. And then one more time, head on over to indrasweb.org. This is a social media platform that we created to connect open minds. So if you like all the topics we talk about on this podcast, uh, there's all those topics and more on there. So if you have a speculation, a hypothesis, theory, you know, you want to talk with other people that are like-minded, uh, go check out Indra's web and, uh, let's get the conversation flowing. So, well, that's it. We will be back late night tomorrow night for part two. And then Maurice will be going, um, out of town for a few days. And then I don't know if there's a part three to be had, we'll do it when he gets back. All righty. All right. Well, we love everybody. Stay safe out there and, uh, we'll catch you next time. Peace. Peace.